Good morning and welcome to Heartlands here Midlands 103 with me the Reverend Nigel Gill and I hope that this finds you well. Today is the day that we go and celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost. It was then that ordinary men with their ups and downs and failures and denials were transformed into being witnesses with a boldness and a fire inside of them for the Lord Jesus Christ. Gone from being fearful and afraid, gone from being in a locked room to out on the street, boldly proclaiming the word of God as we read in the book of Acts. Isn't it interesting that how as time progresses, we follow that same cycle People become afraid to speak of religious things. People become afraid to go and speak of these matters. And then a move takes place and an individual or a group of individuals end up being so stirred up and passionate in the power of the Holy Spirit that they go and preach and teach the word of God no matter where they go. Irrespective of retribution and possible persecution, by those around about them. The Spirit of God has been poured out on all people, is what Peter goes and tells us. And so there shouldn't be a need for a dip and then a rise and a dip and a rise. It should be consistent that God's Spirit is working and moving in powerful ways throughout our lives. But the thing is that we can lose focus of who God really is. I often say, that when it comes to church, it only takes one generation to make a new move of God, tradition. That's all. You could be someone who's involved in a wonderful and exciting move of God, even in your own church, whatever church that is. You see great things taking place. But for your children, that's just normal. That's just what we do in church. And they lose that sense of vitality or life or enjoyment that you got in us. And so that's why it's very important for us to ensure that we are in step with the Spirit. And that brings me to First Thessalonians in chapter 5, one of the passages that I wish to look at today. Because I'm going to touch in on various scriptures that we have been reading on our way through Paul's letters over the last number of weeks. And I hope and pray that you are still reading away one chapter a day. But in 1 Thessalonians 5 it goes and says this, And we urge you, beloved, to admonish the idlers, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them. See that none of you repays evil for evil. Always seek to do good to one another and to all. Now here's the next thing. Listen, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise the words of the prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now when we look at this passage of Scripture and we consider our lives and where our lives may be at, can't we be honest and actually say that, well, maybe we have lost focus on where it is that we should be with God. 
Maybe our relationship with God has become estranged. And James tells us that we should draw near to God and he will draw near to us. I think it's very interesting that passage of scripture says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do you know it is very, very easy for us to give thanks when things are going well? When things are going good and we have not a care in the world, it's easy to thank God. When we have beautiful weather as we've been experiencing, it's easy to get out and enjoy the countryside around about us, go for a beautiful walk, whatever. Listen to the birds singing in the trees. And it's easy to thank God in those circumstances. But when God allows you to be in a place where circumstances are difficult, or maybe there are circumstances that you've generated and now you are reaping what you've sown, sometimes in those circumstances it's very, very difficult to go and ask yourself the question, how do I give thanks in this situation? Maybe you're someone who is suffering from what others are doing to you. And you're listening to my voice and you're going to say, well, how can I give thanks to God in this situation? How can we? That's a very good question to ask, isn't it? And yes, this scripture goes and says, it exhorts us. It tells us that it is God's will for your life. To give thanks in all circumstances, to pray without ceasing, to rejoice always. Tell me, how is your prayer life? And speaking about prayer life, Pastor Dominic is back with us again and he is now doing a series on prayer. With the first one being today as an introduction into what he calls the Disciples Prayer. Or what you and I know as the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. Pray without ceasing. Do you know... That is something that the Lord reminds me of regularly, that I need to pray more, that I need to converse with him. I need to talk to him. When I was working on the floor of the tire shop, and I was the floor manager of the tire shop, often my boss would go and say to me, I don't hear your voice on that floor. Now, I was a person who believed in being able to have a quiet conversation with people about things that were going on. But isn't it interesting? That was what he used to say. I don't hear your voice on that floor. Let me ask you a question. Does God hear your voice? Or could he turn around? And he does in my case. And he say, I don't hear your voice. I don't hear your voice. What's your answer to that question? Or that statement? The new venture that we're going to have reading one chapter a day is now a big chunk. will probably take most of the end of our year. And that is reading through the book of Psalms. 150 days, 150 Psalms. Are you ready for the challenge? These are very interesting reading. Some of the greatest sources of encouragement to us all. So, beginning at Psalm 1 from today, won't you join me in continuing to read our way through the Bible one chapter at a time. Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill, where we are celebrating the coming of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us all, but we're reflecting on 
various passages of scripture that we have been reading our way through on our one chapter a day. When we were looking in Thessalonians, we were reading where we were told not to quench the Spirit, that we're to stay in step with the Spirit, and that the will of God for us is to rejoice always, to give thanks in all circumstances, and to pray in all occasions. And I was asking you the question, is your voice silent? What way do you pray? And as I said to you as well, Pastor Dominic will be coming to share his reflections on the disciples' prayer, as he calls it. In Timothy, Timothy is a pastor of a church. He ended up that he had travelled with Paul. It ended up that there was prophecies were declared over his life. And Paul writes to him to encourage him not to lose heart, not to give up, because what was happening in Timothy's life is he was preaching the truth and yet at the same time was suffering insecurity in himself. Do I really believe this? What is this Paul person up to? And Paul addresses those issues. Now maybe that's not too far from the mark in all of our lives. All of us, according to Deuteronomy are supposed to speak of the things of the Lord one to another as we walk along the road. It's not a job that is confined to the priest or the minister or the clergyman or the pastor. No. Or any other religious type of folk. No. It is everyone's job to go and share to speak of the trustworthy deeds of the Lord, to raise up the next generation in the things of God. But to do that means that you need to be confident of what and who God is to you. What do you believe about God? Who is God to you? What does he mean to you? What doctrine do you truly believe? What is your doctrine? You go and ask a person that attends church. What do you believe? They can all attend the same church. And so if I ask my congregation. What do they believe on a certain topic? I can promise you. That there will be different answers given. Now there may be a doctrinal statement. Of what it is that we claim to believe. Based on scripture. As is the case, for the most part, in every tradition of church. Every expression of church. But do you know it? Do you know what it is that you supposedly believe? Or are you someone, and as a little baby, you were brought into the church. There was a bit of water was sprinkled on your head. Your parents took vows that went and said that they were going to bring you up in the ways of God. But they never brought you to church. They never brought you anywhere near anything to do with God. Until maybe it was time for First Communion or Confirmation, depending on which church you go to. Maybe it was that you attended 
a church where none of those practices took place. But you were sitting and listening to the Bible being expounded for years. And yet, it didn't make sense to you. Everybody around you seemed to have got this down. But you're there going, what is it that I believe? But you're afraid to go and say, well, I don't know what I believe. I'm not sure what it is that I know on this topic. What do you know of salvation? What do you know of God's love? What do you know of forgiveness? What do you know of sanctification? What do you know of justification? What do you know of living a holy life? A life that is honouring and pleasing to God. What do you know of reconciliation? What do you know of our inheritance as believers? What is your understanding of baptism? What is your understanding of the Lord's Supper? Holy Communion, the Eucharist, the various different words that we use. Do you know what you're actually participating in? Or is it something that has just been traditional, the way that you always do things? And so Paul is writing to Timothy. And he goes and he says, I am grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a man of violence. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflows for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Can you say that? The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But for that very reason I received mercy so that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience making me an example to those who will come to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour, glory, forever and ever. Amen. Then he goes, I am giving you these instructions, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies made earlier about you, so that by following them, listen to this, by following them, you may fight the good fight, have faith and a good conscience, by rejecting conscience Certain persons have suffered shipwreck in their faith. Are you someone and you've shipwrecked your faith? You've rejected things that you shouldn't have done. And so what Paul is doing here is he's saying to Timothy, let's do it this way. Let's do it God's way. In section 1 I asked you, is your voice silent? In this section I want to ask you a question. And here's the question I want to ask you. What is God's way of doing things? What do you really know about that? Or are you someone who is blindly following the tradition and it doesn't matter what tradition it is that you have been brought up in. 
never actually going and discerning for yourself what God requires of you. I am telling you here and now, I would love you to come to my church, absolutely. I would love you to hear me preaching, absolutely. But I would also much prefer that you were reading the Word of God for yourself, that you were reading your Bible for yourself, that you were figuring out what God is saying to you than to be coming and listening to and following blindly what I am telling you. So, what do you know is God's teaching for your life? Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill, as we are considering various passages of scripture that we've been reading one chapter at a time. As I said, we have moved into the days of where is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and we have been looking at the various letters that Paul has been writing. The mission of bringing the message of the Lord Jesus Christ to the whole of the world was aided, led, guided, directed by the outpouring of the Spirit of God on the day of Pentecost and from that day forward to this present day. It isn't that it was just some sort of a phenomenon that took place as a once-off event. It has been happening ever since, right to this day. Also, we live in the days of grace. We live in the days when all of us, you, me, everyone around us, have not received what our lifestyle and our way of living should actually have been rewarded. When I look at the book of Philemon. It's only a short little book. It is a book all about grace. It's an interesting little story. You have this slave who runs away, Onesimus, and goes to Paul. Paul then, after a period of time, writes a letter and sends Onesimus back to his master, Philemon, asking that Philemon receive him back as a brother in Christ. And in anything that he is owed to charge it to Paul's account. Now think about that. Isn't that an interesting story? Imagine you are the slave owner. Let's even take the whole slave context out of it. Imagine you had an employee that you're dependent upon. And that employee just hightails it. Leaves you high and dry. Runs off. And then you receive a letter going and saying, please take this person back. Receive him back as a brother in the Lord. What would your reaction be? How would you feel about it if this person had just run off in you? Would it bring us back to being in the position of the older brother in the story of the prodigal son, standing there, angry, at his waster of a brother having come back and expected to treat him like nothing had ever happened. Isn't that one of the things that really comes across our way in life? God challenging you to treat people like nothing ever happened. It isn't discounting what took place. It isn't actually going and pretending that what happened didn't happen. There's none of that. That's not what God is about. But he's expecting us to treat people like 
it didn't happen. That to me is a challenging thing. And I wonder what that encounter was like when suddenly Onesimus turns up to Philemon and hands him this letter. How did Philemon react? What were his thoughts on the matter? What was the conversation that took place afterwards? We don't know. We don't know. Just like with the older brother, myself and my son Joshua conversing about him. And he says, we don't know what the outcome was with the older brother. Folks, we don't from the pages of scripture. But I can tell you, I know many who were in that older brother's position and had to come to a realisation of the grace of God that was extended to him also, or to her also. Philemon was expected by Paul to receive his former slave back into gainful employment as a brother. How would that sit with you? Interesting question, isn't it? You see, when we read scripture, one of the biggest stumbling blocks in people's lives in regard to their relationship with God is unforgiveness, not letting go of the past. It's not about forgetting about it, but not letting go of it. And how do we let go of it? By placing it into God's hands. And that's effectively what Paul is asking Philemon to do here. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. I say nothing about your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, let me have this benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I am writing to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. And he finishes the letter with this. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. God's riches at Christ's expense. May it be with your spirit. So when you think about God today... And as you travel through this Sunday, when, when we remember the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us all, as it says in the book of Joel, let me leave you with these three questions before Dominic comes and shares with us his reflection after the break. One, when it comes to prayer, is your voice not heard? Two, when it comes to knowing God and what his doctrines are, what do you know of them? Have you made it your business to really figure it out for yourself through the reading of the word? And three, where is grace in all of this for you? As you consider your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, your neighbour, those in your family, those in your community, the person that you have held things against in your heart. Let me ask you the question. 
where is the grace? In light of the grace that God has extended to you. Let me leave you with those points. After the break, Pastor Dominic will be with us. Thank you. Good morning to you, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. It's great to be with you again through Nigel's kind invitation to join you today on Heartlands, Midlands 103. We're beginning a new series. It's called The Disciples' Prayer Devotionals. This, of course, is number one and entitled Our Connection. How many of us have heard the old saying, seven days without prayer makes one week, spelt W-E-A-K, lacking strength. Yes, men, many of us would probably need to confess prayers and praying do not come to us easily or readily. And yet, if truth be told, isn't it when we're under most pressure that we pray our best prayers? First Peter 5 verse 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And over a hundred years ago, Robert Law said, Prayer is a mighty instrument, not forgetting man's will done in heaven, but forgetting God's will done in earth. Sometimes I wonder, could it be that God allows tough times to come into our lives so that we might learn to stay close to him and therefore grow in our relationship with him? James 1 verses 2 to 5 say this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Now, with all of the above being said, you might jump to the, the conclusion that perhaps I think I'm some kind of expert in prayer. But let me assure you that this is not the case, and that the only letters that I have after my name, Dominic Montgomery, are IBTB, which means I believe the Bible. For me, if the Bible said it, I believe it, that settles it. As 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 and 17 say, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It will be no surprise to you that over the next number of months, we're going to go through this new series of devotions on the disciples' prayer, and we'll be doing two things in these devotions. We will be going to the Bible to find our answers on the subject of prayer, and we're going to listen to the greatest Bible teacher who ever lived, Jesus Christ. So let's listen to Jesus' words given to us as he spoke them in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts 
as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's begin with the name of the prayer, often called the Lord's Prayer. But why do we call it that? This is not one of the prayers that Jesus actually prayed himself, but was an outline or pattern or model for the prayer that he gave his disciples in response to their request to be taught how to pray, Luke 11, verse 1. So perhaps a better title for this prayer would be the Disciples' Prayer. The whole purpose of this prayer that Jesus gave was to teach them and us to learn to pray like Jesus prayed, not merely repeat what Jesus said. The model prayer comes right in the middle of the Sermon of Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 to 7, in which Jesus is speaking about the hypocrisy of mere religion, 6 verses 1 to 18, and the necessity of dependent prayer, 6 verses 5 to 15. Fourteen times in Matthew 5 to 7, Jesus uses the phrase, My Father, to describe his relationship with God. Eleven times in Matthew 5 to 7, Jesus uses the phrase, Your Father, to describe a disciple's relationship with God. But only once in Matthew 5 to 7 does Jesus use the phrase, Our Father. So what is he saying to us? Our Father. First, we need to realize the amazing transforming grace in these two words. Jesus is saying to his disciples and to us, Do you realize how special you are? Do you understand that this incredible relationship that I have with my Father, the eternal God, is now opened up? to you as my disciples, and indeed to all who will repent and believe the good news of the gospel. This means that all of us who have confessed our sins and put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as Saviour have been adopted into Jesus' family and now share in this amazing relationship with his eternal Father and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Wow! Our Father. Secondly, what amazing grace this is that people such as ourselves with all our flaws and faults and sin are already being transformed by the good work that God has begun in us since that first moment we put our trust in Jesus to take away our sin. Now, perhaps some of us might not have had the best role model might be a little bit afraid of of thinking our Heavenly Father is perfection. But remember how God used to walk and talk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, way back in the Garden of Eden? That's the kind of relationship that he wants to share with us now. In light of this fatherly relationship we now have, we can talk to him and tell him about anything that's going on in us or around us. Isn't this the very essence of prayer? Our Father. 
Notice that Jesus is not just talking about an individual's relationship with God. He deliberately used the word are to show us how inclusive and altogether this relationship is meant to be. Not me, myself, and I alone, but us together, all of us praying and telling our Heavenly Father how much we adore Him and are so dependent upon Him to get through these crazy days in which we now live. We need to be praying more and more together in these terrible times, helping and supporting each other in our battles. Do you remember how Aaron and Hur lifted up Moses' arms while Joshua fought against the Amalekites down in the valley below in Exodus 17? We should be meeting with our brothers and sisters in Christ to do exactly the same. So now, as we bring this first devotional on the disciples' prayer to a close, I have a quote and a question for us all. The quote is from an author and commentator that I really enjoy reading, and that's Dr. Warren Wearsby. He emphasized the unity and the relationship that truly understanding the disciples' prayer brings us. He said, When we pray, we must remember that we are part of God's worldwide family of believers. We have no right to ask for anything for ourselves that would harm another member of our family. If we are praying in the will of God, then the answer will be a blessing to all of God's people in one way or another. And so, my final point is our question, which is very simple. How do we know if we really are in Jesus' eternal family? May you have a truly blessed day today, listeners, as we look to God, remembering to consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Amen. Amen.